love. Some would say it took a backseat when the pandemic forced us apart. As a family-run and proudly Canadian-owned company, Charm Diamond Centres saw the need to bring us together with tales of love and created the Canadian Love Map podcast. Since then, we've shared hundreds of real, uplifting stories that prove love conquers all. So thank you for listening. We couldn't do it without you. And remember, love starts here. What the world needs now is love. More love. Stars literally aligned. He's always been the one. There's someone out there for everyone. I'm Nancy Regan, your host on the Canadian Love Map. We are on a journey to uncover and share love stories of all kinds. He's never forgotten to bring me flowers. We're hoping we're going to give a little good news to this world. Even in these dark times, the life continues to go on. It's all about compassion, devotion, adventure, and of course, love. Everybody needs somebody. Everybody needs love. This is the Canadian Love Map. Well, love is the most important thing. I just want people to find it. (laughs) I know as a reader, as a viewer, I've found some piece of art that has really connected with me in a way that was very deep and affecting. And I, I would like to be able to even do like a small part of that and make someone feel a little bit more human and a little bit more connected. This week's love story belongs to Kim Albright and Julia Lederer, a director and screenwriter who are touring the festival circuit with their powerful new film. With Love and a Major Organ started as a stage play, and now it's a feature-length film that is charming, inspiring, and connecting with audiences. It's all about heart, literally. This is the Canadian Love Map. Kim and Julia, welcome to the Canadian Love Map. Thank you. Hi. <laughs> I want to say thank you for this film. And and I, I would say first, I, I'm going to start by explaining that my thank you is twofold. One, I think it's a gift to the world. So there's a, a great compliment to start our podcast conversation. But I also used to do a lot of junkets. Uh, when I worked in television, I would travel to New York and LA and do movie junkets and interview the stars. And I always would just hope that the movie was going to be any good. Almost from the very first frame, I thought, oh, I'm going to love this. So we're talking about love today. And I wanted to start off by offering you that uh, really amazing review to say thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. It's so lovely to hear from the very first frame. That's like the best compliment <laughs> ever. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. I, I could tell immediately I was like, oh, wow. You know, you either in everything in life, you have an opportunity to lean out or lean in. And right away, it made me lean in. Oh, amazing. That means a lot. I mean, I think what you want most as an artist, right, is to have your work resonate. So yeah, thank you. We're so glad. How are you feeling about the reception so far? What is it like? You know, you you spend so much of your your life, your blood, sweat, and tears on a project like this, and then you actually put it out into the world, mm-hmm. which can be terrifying. So amazing when you actually hear people respond in a positive way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have to say it was so nerve wracking um, 
around South by Southwest when we had our <laughs> premiere there in March because you know we we had finished the film just before Christmas and shortly before that had started to send the film out to festivals and so the anxiety kind of starts there before you're even at a festival where is it going to get in and uh will it be a good festival and anyway you can imagine mm -hmm. and then i got onto the south by southwest and we were so thrilled and then that's when that sort of next level of worry comes in and how are people how is it going to be received what are the what will the audiences think will they connect with the film and then then how about the reviewers and uh what will they think they'll surely have a have some thoughts there and anyway so <laughs> All to say that that I didn't know what to expect, but I thought, oh, surely, you know, there'll be some some positives, some negatives, you know, some some fairly indifferent um, uh, feedback. But I think for the most part, it's been super positive um, from from people, from reviewers, uh, from publications. I, so I'm just. I'm just so thrilled and I'm still sort of waiting. Okay, when's it really, when's the shit really gonna be fan? It's been out there for a good, you know, six months now and the positivity is still sort of coming through. So I'm just so thrilled about that. How has that washed over you, Julia? It means so much when something resonates. Like I always feel like when you create a piece of work and I think especially with film as opposed to theater, when you bring it to audiences more frequently in the process of developing it, like in film, well, you start as a writer in a bubble and then that bubble expands with a director and a producer. And then that bubble expands as they bring more people in and it gets bigger and bigger. And then it is sort of in this, this contained thing for a while as it's being made. And you're, and you're like, okay, all of these smart, talented people are into this. They believe in it. So there's gotta be something here. Right. <laughs> and then, um, and then it's like, I don't know. I feel like sharing it and being able to stand behind it knowing that you've done your best and then seeing people connect to it is just like, I mean, it's incredibly powerful. And I think it's also, for me, it always makes me feel a little bit less like an alien, <laughs> like the, mm -hmm. like that, that to connect with people through, through your work, which I think for me, and I think also for Kim with this project is, is very personal, <laughs> um, becomes very personal when you make it is such a, a wonderful thing. Yeah, I love the fact that you use the word connect. And that's partly because it's not just about audiences liking it, but being moved by it. Mm. And that's, that's what art is supposed to do. So when you sit with an audience and watch it, it must be extraordinary to actually feel the energy in the room. Oh, yeah. South by Southwest was the first opportunity. And it was so interesting because we had four screenings. Um, the first two were very intimate theaters, mainly cast and crew and friends and family. So, of course, they were sort of responding uh, in the right moments. And, you know, it was it was just sort of sharing it with your pals in a way. Um, I was like preaching to the choir in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the third and fourth screenings, which we were both there for, they were really interesting because now it was just sort of like, you know, cinema goers, cinema files that were there and just to sense sort of uh, people's reaction. And I was blown away the, the, the third screening at South by Southwest. It was, a, I think, a, a Friday night at 9 p.m. in a huge cinema. And I remember I was sitting there with, next to my producer, Madeline, and I thought, oh, you know what, I'll just stick around for to intro the film and then I'll head out and have a drink with Julia and Anna <laughs> at the bar. And then... <laughs> Two minutes in and 
people were just howling with laughter. I think it was the opening credits just before that. And I thought, I looked to Madeline and thought, oh my God, they're really, they're really kind of going for it. And I, and it was unexpected and they just, it just kept growing and growing and just huge laughs at every sort of screening from there thereafter is, is sort of been, it's a different response every time, depending on who's in the audience. And it's interesting. It's sort of, I find tied in with the day of the week and the time of day. And then mm. a certain response based on that, which I find super interesting to observe. Well, Julia, you'll, you'll know from doing uh, theater that every night can be a completely different audience and they can react in a very different way to the exact same material. Yeah. And I think that's like, incredibly fascinating with film because it is the exact same material, right? Because with theater, right. it can change and like things, it just is fluctuates much more because it's live. Whereas with the film, it is, can be totally different. Yeah. Depending on the country you're in, like depending on the city you're in. Um, and so it's really interesting to see. And I think I underestimated that at the beginning. Like I, I, I was like, well, it's going to be the same every time. Like I see a play, things change. I can, and I can still change the play if I want to moving forward. The film is kind of finished. Um, but actually watching it with audiences, I still learn a lot. And it's just interesting to see how it plays and, and really cool to see how different it can be. So this is just the latest stepping stone for both of you on your paths. I'd like you to take me back to the beginning of your journey into, into film or this form of art or screenwriting in your case, Julia. I started in theater and I, I went to King's College in Dalhousie and I did my first plays in both of those places. <laughs> and I think what I benefited probably the most from there is just how open it was for me to just try things out and play and being surrounded by students who wanted to do the same thing. And then I, I moved back to Toronto and I did a bunch of theater. I did some indie theater as an actor. I did a little bit of directing and, and a bunch of writing. And I did the Toronto Fringe. I did the Next Stage Festival. I've done probably every festival in Toronto at some point now and found that as a great way to find community and, and make things together. And then I um, had written a play called It's Nothing. And it's about a woman oh, well, in the play. It's about a child, I guess, a teenager who's digging a hole and it acts as a metaphor for an eating disorder. And so the further down she gets, and I was thinking about it and that metaphor, and I just felt like it's so visual, <laughs> like a hole and like dirt and like what that mm -hmm. is. Like, I love metaphor. I love magic realism. That can be so effective on film as well. And so like the texture of it, and it was a nice lead into this project too, because so much of it is visual and so much of it is about metaphor. And it's also such a departure from the stage play of With Love in a Major Organ. And so I think starting with something I felt I knew so well that play and then changing it into something totally different for film, like working with Kim and with Madeline to do that effectively was such um, an exciting thing to get to do. And so now I feel like both of those worlds have, have sort of opened up I also love that you were given, as you say, that supportive environment where you were just allowed to be everything you wanted to be. Uh, Kim, mm -hmm. I'm curious about how your love of film started. Oh, how it started. You know, as a kid, I remember every Friday in the evenings going with my dad and my brother to the VHS store or the video store. And then we'd we'd each get to choose a, a film to watch. And my parents would choose one. And then 
like I think we did this practically every weekend. And so without realizing it, I was getting this pretty, actually, I think it was a pretty terrible film education, but I, I was being exposed to so many films at quite a young age and we go to the cinema as well. But then it didn't really occur to me till much later on that, okay, th there's sort of a bit of a foundation laid here. It wasn't until I was in my twenties um, that uh I started directing and it was it was commercials and music videos at first and then I started to direct some short films on the side which is where then I realized okay yeah this the narrative narrative side to storytelling is where I'm where my heart lies and um and it slowly grew from there I I, I eventually kind of said goodbye to the the music video and commercial world and um started to dive sort of more deeply into narrative with shorts, but also trying to develop features, which takes time. And it kind of suited me where I was at in my life as well, um, in terms of having two young kids. And I could continue to develop projects at the pace in which I could also look after my kids. And it's just sort of always worked nicely <laughs> in terms of, you know, where I was at with a project and what I could sort of balance work-wise. But yeah, it started, I think, very early on from just being exposed to a lot of films at a young age and then starting to make my own after many years of trying other things and going to school and whatnot. That sounds like a great balance, like love and practicality. Yeah. It works on yeah. all levels for you. For sure. And it's something that I need, you know, um, as much as I love looking after the kids, I mean, they're, they're nine and six now, so they're way more independent and at school, but I needed this outlet when they were so little, I needed something to just, dive into creatively to kind of keep me sane. And so um, I'm so thankful to have had that outlet and to the collaborators that I'd worked with that kind of understood where I was at in my life and knowing that, you know, well, I'll, she'll get back to us when she's ready and right back to that, you know, note or, or email or whatever it is. I think for a lot of young moms, the film is a blessing, you know, in, in terms of how you can dive into it and that it's this outlet, this creative outlet that we all need to sort of feel human. <laughs> Yeah, it's almost like an anchor to yourself when yeah. you can really lose yourself in those early years of parenting. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you need that anchor. I, I I had an anchor, but I was I was an anchor on TV. Yeah. <laughs> so I went back <laughs> and was balancing both. I, yeah. I would love to get a summary of the film for those, uh, most of the listeners won't have seen it yet. And I guess the way to ask this is, what was your elevator pitch? Yes. And this is a pitch that is sort of, I have to say, just a slightly longer than I think most others, but you'll see why. That's good. I, I, okay. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm ready. This is a bit of groundwork we have to cover. Um, I think beforehand, everyone just needs to know that in this world, everyone's heart is an object. So it's not a fleshy beating heart like ours are. It's an object that best sort of represents who they are as a person. So that's Point number one. Point number two, the world in which the film is set is similar to ours, but but with with slight um, differences in that, you know, everyone relies on their te technology so much, their devices, their apps to make decisions for them, to dictate their lives, to um, just guide the way from them, really. And then in that world, you have Annabelle, who uh, in her early 30s, is different to everyone. She's not glued to her device. She likes real tangible things and likes to have face-to-face -face conversations with people. And she falls for this guy, George, who just like her, doesn't seem to be glued to any devices. And she connects and falls in love 
and decides to rip out her heart and give it to him. And without giving too much away, because I wouldn't want to spoil things too much, he runs away with it. And she at some point realizes she needs to get it back. Yes, I love that. Oh, I love that explanation so much. I really do. And there's, you know, there's so much love in the film. So not only is your love of film evident, but uh, it's such a broad theme in the film. I love the uh, line that the therapist says to Annabelle, your heart is toxic. And Annabelle says, no, my heart is a lantern. <laughs> I have to say that just gave me chills, that line. Talk to me about how love is alive in this film for you. I mean, for me, I always say that it's um, not a film so much about falling in love, but about the act of love itself. The idea of someone pulling out their lantern heart, <laughs> their heart and giving it away always seems like this like act of total wrath, terrifying, awkward courage. And something that I, I think when I first wrote the play, I was like, imagine if you could do that. Like if you could do that for someone and, and be that vulnerable and that open and that and op that open to connection. And I still, I still think about that. I mean, often we get asked what objects would our hearts be? And I always want to say, oh, it would be a lantern, obviously. But then I know that that's not, for me, I think it would be like a lamp with a purple shade. For me, yeah, the idea of, of love in the film is also something that is generous and, and that exists within friendships. As, as strongly as it does in romantic relationships. And that exists in this case between a mother and a son as well. And that you can love someone so much and act with the best of intention and act totally from a place of caring for them. And that doesn't mean it's right for them and how painful that is too. Yeah, no, there is. And there was another form of love, which um, I really connected with uh, and it spoke to me too. And I just think, you know, over the course of the film, you observe how Annabelle sort of comes full circle and in order to sort of understand and love herself. This is something that sort of dawned on me a little bit later in terms of the development of the of the of the script working with Julia and and you see it in the film, you sort of see, you know, where she began and then what she went through and how she comes kind of out the back end in a sort of much calmer, more collected place, but ultimately you know, she understands herself a bit better and has come to accept and, and love herself for who she is. And so I think that element of self-love is also really important in the film. Mm -hmm. We couldn't share the great stories that we do here on the Canadian Love Map podcast without the amazing support of Charm Diamond Centres. They are Canada's largest family-owned jeweler, and they're proud to be putting love on the map. The folks at Charm Diamond Centers are thrilled to be a part of your love story. So visit CharmDiamondCenters.com or one of your local stores. Love starts here. Annabelle is an artist, and I love how you explore the relationship of passion and art. One of the most exciting things about writing the core story as a film was like that the world suddenly got bigger. Because in the play, there are only three characters. Like you don't know what her job is. You don't know. It's very focused on those three characters and their relationships to one another. But in the film, suddenly, yeah, it was like, what does she do? Like, what is she passionate about? Because I think initially she, we didn't have a th another thing. Like she would go to work and then she would sort of 
you know, like be interested in her friendships, <laughs> but, but there wasn't another thing. And then it became pretty quickly evident that she needed a way to express herself. Like that's what this character needs, a way to get her emotion out. And that art is such a well beautiful way to express something that isn't spoken. It's very visual in this case and, and an outlet for her and also a way to sort of get a sense of, of her internal landscape too. Like when she has all this color within her and when, when she doesn't. Well, I think Anna actually, come to think of it, Anna McGuire, our lead, I think was very instrumental in pushing Annabelle to be this extremely passionate artist. For instance, in the scene where, um, you know, she's creating that first sort of uh, sonic love letter for George. And uh, that scene ends with her, you know, taking her clothes off and painting her body and then pressing it against the canvas. I remember, um, I don't think that was initially written down in the script and then but it was I think it was Anna's idea to say um, let's go naked I'm gonna go naked I'll do it and I said are you really okay this is are you comfortable you know because you know it was just sort of suddenly thrown at us and I thought well if you're willing to go that far I will happily go on that ride with you and you know let, let's let's try okay and so I think Anna you know she understood the characters so well and wanted to just sort of um, really convey this passion and desire physically uh, and also in her art form as best possible. So if I'm not mistaken, I think, you know, we, we she really did sort of want to just push it to the max. And and the naked aspect um, was, if I'm not mistaken, I think she, she encouraged us down that road. Um, it's a powerful but, scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm curious as to whether you both described, you know, this relationship between passion and art is your own uh, relationship with art, something that really provides you with a release. Mm -hmm. There's two things apart from my family and my kids and my husband that I'm that I deeply love. But there's two things in my life that I absolutely need to function. And that is my work, my films and being able to feel passionate about about what I'm developing, what I'm spending my time sort of thinking on and and trying to kind of organize in my head or or develop the ideas of um, that and playing tennis. Those are the two things that I don't think I can function <laughs> if I didn't do as regularly as possible. Excellent answer. I love I love tennis. It's a lifelong uh, love affair for me too. So a love and hate that. relationship, but that's what yes. you <laughs> like golf, I guess, you know. Yeah. Julia, what about you? Yeah, less tennis for me, though. I respect it. I wish I could play tennis, <laughs> but I just haven't. Um, it, it's funny because it ties so directly into the film, Hearing Art, because it is, I think, I mean, everyone works differently, but for me, it always comes from an emotional place and it always starts there. And I don't really know how to do it otherwise. Like I can do other functional writing that is not that, but, but if it's something that I'm making because I have a question, usually I have a question that I don't know the answer to that I'm really grappling with. And like with, in this case, it was, is it more functional or, or better or easier, I guess is the word to live detach from emotion in the world we live in today, in the world in the future? Or is it actually like easier, more fulfilling, more satisfying to have all that emotion? And so does Annabelle want her heart back or doesn't she? And, mm -hmm. and the ideal answer to this question is, of course, it's better to feel. Of course it is. 
But is it like, I don't actually know sometimes because it can be so painful yeah. and that's the balance. So for me, I'm, I'm usually driven by something I'm grappling with or by a question or by a feeling I want to like literally rip out and <laughs> figure out on a stage or in a film or on a page often, obviously to start. And then I think it is like you, as you said earlier, like you show this thing, like you're kind of totally vulnerable. And that is the most powerful and the most terrifying thing at the same time, because you can be totally dismissed and, or you can connect with complete strangers over something that you feel really deeply or that you're wondering about. And I think that's what I'm really passionate about is, is finding that connection and asking those questions and also just like playing, like there's so much joy in making art as well. Mm -hmm. How do you define love? Oh my. There's a big question. It's a tricky one. Cause I think it's, uh, it's hard to define and it's sometimes changing. I think for me, it's a feeling. It's definitely a feeling deep down where you would do anything for a person or a thing or something that you just care so much about. You would do anything to um, protect it, to be with it, to see it grow. It just sort of electrifies you and, you know, just moves you so much inside. I think for me, it's just, it's just this sort of real visceral feeling you feel deep down. You just know, you just know when it's something or someone that you care so much about and love. Mm -hmm. Julia. It, it comes with this need to understand and be with someone in any capacity um, as a friend, as like romantically the parent, anything like just that mutual support and unconditional affection and care and being able to be together without any anxiety, something that you can believe in because it can often be hard to believe in things that aren't tangible or proven in a way. And that love is, is something that you, you have to believe in it if you want to have it and give it and receive it. I love those definitions. And it occurs to me that you must love this film like a child. And I'm curious to know what your hopes are for this child as it's now out in the world and, and where you'd love to see it go. Well, I would love to see it keep living a festival life for now. And I think just see it sort of reach audiences all over the world and, and just sort of spreading its wings and letting it, letting it just take off in an organic way. And an important thing, I think with, with the films that I make generally is obviously I'd love for, for them to be well-received and uh, you know, I, I love a glowing review, but at the end of the day, I just want people to hopefully find some connection with the film. And if they like it or they, they don't like it, I don't mind those extremes, but I, I just, uh, one thing I fear as a filmmaker is that there's just sort of an indifferent sort of response mm -hmm. that I don't want, but, <laughs> but, but if, you, if, if they're polarized, that's fine. If it causes people to think, uh, or it makes them think and connect, you know, generate some sort of response, then I'm happy. I just want people to find it because <laughs> I think mm. we've been fortunate with festivals and I hope that it has a long festival life. And I also hope that it ends up 
on a platform or in many places that that people are able to find it. I know as a reader, as a viewer, I've found some piece of art that has really reflected back to me something that I have felt in a way and articulated it in a way that I've never thought to that has felt so um, authentic and just connected with me in a way that was very deep and affecting. And I, I would like to be able to even do like a small part of that for someone somewhere <laughs> and make someone feel a little bit more human and a little bit more connected. Yeah. I hope people can find it. <laughs> well, <laughs> in, it. in what feels like a dark world these days, this film feels like a lantern, mm, honestly. So yeah. thank you. And uh, you are now going to be at the Atlantic International Film Festival and then the world. <laughs> yeah, yes, we have. Right. Um, yeah, that's that's coming up very soon. Um, we do have a couple other festivals. Well, yeah, quite a handful coming up, which we're not allowed to sort of, they're not public yet, but um, yeah, a bunch of festivals for Christmas. And then hopefully we'll continue our festival run until the spring Yes, Atlantic coming up. I think our screening's on Sunday um, at 1 p.m., if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I will be there <laughs> to answer any question you like. But I can't yeah. wait to see, see the film with that audience. Yeah. Let's talk about your relationship. How did you two meet and how did this develop? And, and there's a third part to this question. How do you find you work together? Interestingly, we met. It feels like quite a long time ago, but it really isn't. We met back in 2017 uh, via Anna McGuire, who uh, we had mentioned before. Um, I met Anna years ago uh, before I moved back to Canada. Um, and I had I, I had, I just moved back uh, home to Canada. I was previously in the UK for many, many years. And I said to Anna, um, who splits her time between Canada and the UK, I said, do you know um, of any like amazing writers that I can meet and connect with here in Canada? And she had just partnered up with Julia to work on It's Nothing, the project uh, Julia mentioned before. And she said, yeah, I think you'd really connect with Julia and I think you'd love her stories. Um, so she introduced us. And then I think at the time, um, Julia, I think um, the play with Love in a Major Organ was still out there and it was in the States in particular. And then Julia had mentioned that, um, well, there's this play, I, you know, I have kicking around and uh, maybe <laughs> this could work as a, a film. So yeah, that was the beginning. We had met through Anna and then got introduced that way. And um, then just started to develop uh, with Love in a Major Organ into a feature. And um, the second part uh, to your question, you know, it was, uh, I thought it was a quite a unique way to meet because I think our first conversation was on Zoom. And then I think we had met in person in Toronto, maybe shortly after. But then as we were developing the project, it was all via Zoom because then COVID hit. And then um, our producer, Madeline, joined us. And, and so we were kind of getting to know one another virtually and developing this project, which I have to say is quite hard because not only are we kind of getting to know one another as, as individuals, but we're also doing it remotely. And I do find fa working face-to-face -face is so much better. Anyhow, we made it work and thankfully we had time on our side. So Julia would, would work on a draft and then she'd share it with a group. And then we'd talk about ideas and thoughts and notes and whatnot. And then Julia would, would go back. And, and so it'd sort of go back and forth like this. One of the things I absolutely loved working, uh, working with Julia is that she just got such wonderful ideas. 
and just this great imagination. You never know really what's going to come out of her brain, which I loved. It sounds like a pretty rewarding relationship as you describe it. Mm -hmm. What was it like to work with Kim? It was great. I mean, it's funny because I remember how it started only slightly differently. But I feel like I believe you. I feel like your memory is more specific than mine. But my oh, no, memory of it was like, <laughs> was like, I mean, I remember Anna saying to me, I worked with this director. She wants to meet writers. I feel like this would be a good fit. And I was like, great. Okay, great. And so she connected us. And I, I remember sending you the play as like, this is the most polished piece of writing I have right now. Like, this is an example of like what I like to do. And then in my memory, you were like, this should be a film. And I was like, it's really a play because I'd kind of been down that route before <laughs> when it was at Fringe. But then you sent me some of your work. I remember this commercial with a bunch of colored yarn. And I feel like oh, we talked yeah. about different references that it would like be associated with. And I was like, pretty quickly, like, okay, fine. <laughs> like, I don't think it was like a big, a lot of resistance. But I think I was just scared at first because when I write theater, I write it to be in a theater. And so I knew, I think, that reimagining it for film would be totally different. And I think the process of letting go of the play and then coming back to it, like we sort of totally let go and then came back to like some sections mm. of it and then moved, like was actually like, it was incredibly liberating mm. and challenging, but really fun. And I think like my favorite thing about working together, I mean, doing it over a long period of time was really helpful because we also could have like spaces to like step back and then come back to it. But it was also just, I think the most magical thing about collaboration particularly in film, is that you are building something together and that in the best collaborative relationships, you challenge one another. And it's not about speaking over the other person. It's about building something that you could never have made on your own that mm -hmm. combines both of your strengths and, and then becomes something like, I could have never imagined the film the way that you made it. And it's totally mm -hmm. beautiful. And, and I think that is such an amazing thing about starting with something and then working with, with, with someone else who also is as collaborative as Kim is too, and, and really wants to be involved and understand from the beginning, which I also mm -hmm. think is a big strength, especially when you're creating a world together, like this one with slightly mm -hmm. different rules, because you really have to have a shared understanding of what that's going to be. Mm -hmm. So it was very re rewarding to get to find that together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do think creative collaboration is an act of love or love in action. Definitely. And I feel, um, I know you had asked about the crew. Um, I think everyone on this project did it for the love. So, you know, we were a small indie film. Um, we didn't have a lot of uh, money. So if anyone was going to work on it wholeheartedly, they had to fully love and be behind the, the script and the team and the potential for what it could be. That was really important because we needed to find our team that were all like-minded in that respect because they surely weren't going to take home a big paycheck. So there needed to be some other kind of incentive and, and uh, something else to sort of satisfy them in joining us on this project. Well, I just want to say again, I want to encourage everyone who's listening to seek the film out and, and see it, then tell other people to do the same, because we need to share that lantern. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> thank yeah, you both thank you. so much. Good luck. Thank with you. Everyone. Thanks so much. Thanks. 
Thanks so much for listening to the Canadian Love Map. This podcast is presented and made possible by Charm Diamond Centres. It's hosted by me, Nancy Regan, and is produced and distributed by Podstarter. We love sharing love stories of all kinds, and that could include yours. So do you or someone you know have an uplifting tale to tell? Reach out to us on Facebook or Instagram using at Canadian Love Map or email producer at podstarter.io. We'll be back next week with another love story to add to the map.